Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Kiseki Cast. I'm your senior bracer, Tyler, and joining me is fellow senior bracer, Josh. Hey. And we're here to talk about, in our second episode about Trails in the Sky, the third, the characters and uh, character development that happens in this game. But first, uh, I just wanted to mention and give a shout out to two two listeners that are somewhere out there because uh, the website that I that we use is called uh, Anchor, and it tells you the general location of uh, some of your listeners. And uh, I'm from Michigan, and there's another person from Michigan listening to the Kiseki cast, which is pretty cool since they're, I mean, I might be passing you guys on the street somewhere. I don't know. And the other shout out I want to give is to a, a Spaniard who's listening in Seville, Spain, uh, which is awesome because Spain's near and dear to me since I speak Spanish and I studied there. So shout oh, out to really? you as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I studied there a few years ago in college. So wow. yeah. Te veo. Well, anyway, in this episode, uh, we're going to talk about the characters and character development interactions and stuff um, that that happens in Trails in the Sky, the third. And uh, with uh, Kevin and Reese at the center, it really offers a change of pace from having Estelle and uh, all her positivity and stuff, since uh, Kevin really has a rough time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially more darker than compared to the previous games and it's not it's mostly because kevin's not kevin's personality is a bit different than Estelle, to say the least yeah it is and i think especially like the people that that pick the third as their favorite trails game um there's a lot of there's a lot of people that do and i think it fits there's a lot of movies and shows and stuff that are out and popular right now that are kind of dark and gritty and uh-huh. I think that's what the third kind of offers that side of things a little bit better than if that's what you're looking for. So to start out, um, I don't want to, I don't want to start out on a bad note, but I, I like Kevin. I really like him as a, um, a unit, like a, a fighter in combat because I love girl sphere. I don't know if that was uh-huh. something that you used a lot, but yeah, it's basically my default as brick on him. It's so useful and probably broke the game. Because of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, you go first. No, I was just going to say it's like an instant uh, earth wall. Yeah, it is. And of course, that's my favorite part too. So yeah. Um, I think it's interesting to see Kevin's relationship to Reese because it's very different because Kevin and Reese has known each other since they were kids. And, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to like Kevin and Estelle or Joshua that they just met each other on. Right. Having that history there. Um, Yeah. And um, Reese is still a new character, so we we don't really know anything much about her. So it's very interesting to get to know a new character that's very... um, has a deep relationship to an existing character already. Yeah, and and what essentially becomes like the the second main character. Yeah. Well, and... I also love... Okay, uh, I, I was just gonna say that I didn't. I, I didn't mean to say to start out on a bad note. I not that I don't like Kevin. I do like him, but I just didn't feel like I resonated with him the same that I did Estelle, because uh-huh. I really, I really identified with Estelle's positive attitude, and uh-huh. Kevin's positive attitude is kind of a facade. Uh-huh. 
I don't know, he kind of strikes me off as a pessimist, too, I think. At least for himself, yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. What, what were you going to say? Oh, I love... I love these little quirks, like, the little or tropes, I mean, about the characters. Like, I really love Reese's, like, food lover trope, and it's... I don't know, it's just so adorable. <laughs> it is true, That's that is... That's one of the things that I liked about Reese, too. But I actually have a note um, that I wrote down. Do you think that Reese might be a little bit oversimplified? Because we don't, like, the, the game is about Kevin, and the story is about Kevin. And we get stuff about Reese, but uh-huh. most of it is about Kevin. And the stuff that is about Reese is just stuff that kind yeah. of how it relates to Kevin. And mm-hmm. the stuff that we yeah, get... It's, it's like she's been written to... A, despite like being a main character, it's like she's being presented as a supporting character. Right. Like that, That's how I think. Kind of, in a way, all that she offers is she really likes food and she calls Kevin out on his nonsense. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because I really like Reese and a ton of people really like Reese. And it's just funny that a lot of people were or gravitated towards her, despite the fact that she doesn't have a ton of depth, at least in the third. Mm-hmm. I just think that she's like, what keeps Kevin in check? Oh, yeah, definitely. She's the one person that can see through his facade because she's known mm-hmm. him for so long. Yeah, I think that's part of the reason why people like her so much. Yeah, you're probably right. But the in general, like the whole game is is about Kevin learning how to trust people uh-huh. because he really doesn't trust he he kind of even doesn't trust Reese because he doesn't tell her uh you know his burden and and everything that happened with Rufina until uh-huh. basically it's forced upon him that she finds out uh-huh. what do you think about um Reese's introductions, by the way. Like, were you shocked to find out there's, like, fighting nuns, too? I'm not sure I could say that I was shocked since we already saw... Like, Kevin is a legitimate priest. It's not like he's, like, faking it. He's legitimately a priest. Um, So I guess I couldn't say I was shocked. But, man, that, uh... Is it the the Templar sword? Uh That's awesome. Yeah, that's very different from the ones we've seen so far. Yeah, that's it's really cool. And I like some of the designs that you see of it. Um, there's this one shot of, of Reese, and she's, like, swinging it over her shoulder. And uh-huh. it's, like, extended with the pieces and the wire, and I think it looks really awesome. Um, what do you call... There's, like, a hierarchy within the church, right? Like, does that put Reese on, like, a newbie thing, or...? something kind of like the junior bracer in the bracer group i think so. she's so since kevin's a dominion he's like way up at the top right uh-huh. and she's a squire so she's like i get i gather that there's squires that aren't attached to just dominions uh-huh. um but i'm not sure how explicitly that's explained Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm probably going to spoiler territory here, but I just wanted to point out that um, did you know that uh, that uh, who's that girl again? Uncle Steel. Um, 
Rufine, one of the students, is a squire, or at least I think she's a squire. Yeah, I did not know that until I got to the New Game Plus Black Records part. Oh, it actually, it actually tells you, huh? Yeah. I, I, I got spoiled. I thought it was a Colossal 3 thing. No, I, and I don't even remember that character the first time I played through the game. Uh-huh. Like, I, I really do not remember that character until suddenly everyone's talking about Rosine in this one in the, the Black Records. Why is she here? What? And maybe I just don't pay attention the first time through. Also, I'm not sure if this is just a callback to Rufina or Reese, but um, Scarlet looks like her a little bit. Don't you think? Mm, now, I kind of agree, but also I'm not sure if that's just like the engine of the game. Uh-huh. Since a lot of the characters kind of have the same face. No, I mean like the general look of the character. Like Scarlet has a orange cord here, and then she uses Templar sword. You know. I-, I can see it. I definitely see it. But Scarlet was in the church, like right. That's that's like established, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so moving on. <laughs> Do you have anything else to say about Reese? Uh, not really. The only other things I had to say about Kevin were um, just too, like, uh, I don't know how you phrase it, two mottos or, like, I don't know if you would say morals. And that is, uh-huh. no man is an island. Uh-huh. Because, yeah. like, he tries to do it all himself. And Reese is, like, yelling at him about it when they're in the depths of Gehenna. Um, uh-huh. And the other one is that he has to face his guilt and overcome it. And I think that's something that a lot of people... Oh, by the way, was Kevin like that, the way he is? I mean, because he killed his mom or because his mom committed suicide? I'm a little blurry on that part. Um, well, he was definitely, like, he, he was definitely, there was guilt from that. But I feel like the the guilt that really shut him off from everyone was for when he killed oh, Rufina. Yeah. Because it was more recent and it was just like, if he had guilt from when it happened to his mom, that was like his second chance, so to speak. And then he failed again in his mind. Uh-huh. And so he was like, all right, that's it. So the, the next character notes that I have written down are for Tita and Agate. Cause they have, they have a little door together and some, some development and honestly, okay, I have some words to say about Tita's mom. Honestly, Erica Russell is hilarious, and for some reason, I keep wanting to say Amanda, and I don't know why. <laughs> she definitely strikes me off as an Amanda, though, that's for sure. <laughs> no offense to all Amandas there, though. Yeah, but uh, I like it. So over the top, I love it. I love it. But I wish that she wasn't so one-dimensional because I feel uh-huh. like there's a lot of s- space for her to grow. Uh-huh. And they kind of restrict her to just, like, hating Agate. Uh-huh. But I do really like her. And I can't believe it took until the third Trails game uh, to do that, like, anime eye thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, I was about to say, I think the only time they did the, the anime eye thing again was with me. Million, yeah, it took like 
what, two more games? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like the only other one that had that. So my question to you is, how do you view the relationship between Tita and Agate? Okay, there's a lot of people that see them as some sort of a couple, a romance couple, but I do not see it at all. Um, they strike me off as more like a sibling-ish relationship. Yeah, I totally agree with you, because it's... I, I have some friends that dislike how it's portrayed because like they kind of tease Agate about it a bit and he's he always gets mad about it but uh-huh. I think that's just people teasing him because it's easy to do because he doesn't have a great sense of humor <laughs> um, but I think that he he definitely sees Tita as like replacement Misha uh-huh. like a hundred percent and it's, I guess it's fine if Tita has a crush on Agate because she's 12. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's just like a childhood crush. It's not a big deal. Right, and it's definitely, I don't think it's ever portrayed as them as like some kind of couple. And maybe I'll be proved wrong when Cold Steel 3 comes out, but I still don't think I'm going to be proved wrong. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know how old Tita is going to be on Cold Steel 3. I think she's supposed to be 16. Oh, okay. So she's like student age. Mm-hmm. And it would still be weird because Agate's like 25 now or something. But yeah. Um, also, um, I watched Denise stream on the Cold Steel 3 prologue that uh, they did a few days ago, and I just heard Tita and Agate's English voices. And um, I feel like Agate's still the same on how he sounds like on Sky. So I mean. But yeah, they definitely changed Tita's English voice actress. And she still kind of sounds like a child, but kind of mature at the same time, if that makes sense. Okay. I am struggling to see her without the, like, hat and goggles. <laughs> yeah. Actually, what does Tita look like on Cold Steel 3? Because she's got, like, the long blonde hair, which she had anyway, but the hat kind of covered it up a little bit. And, and like, the goggles are so, like ubiquitous with someone that's like working on Orville Tech. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I mean the goggles are still there but it's not on her head anymore. Yeah, that's that's kind of I, I hope that we see Erica in the future. Mm-hmm. Um because I think it was kind of funny when she was arguing with her dad and um it was cool to see another uh staff user bracer that was her dad. Wait, what? Yeah, Tita Tita's dad. Um, Dan, he uses a, he uses a staff. And was a bracer? I didn't know that. Yeah. Surprise. Where, where did it say that? Um, they, it's in the door when, when her parents come back and they talk about stuff. I think it was mentioned somewhere else that he was a bracer, but. Huh. Interesting. You learn something new every day. <laughs> The next pair that I have written down is Richard and Annalise. Okay. Which uh, the, I don't really have a ton to say because, I mean, it was nice to see Richard have his, his like, full redemption arc. Uh-huh. Uh, and everyone likes Annalise, I think. I, I can't think of a single person that hates uh-huh. Annalise. Um, Richard's door was basically a setup to Red Constellation, if I recall correctly. How so? Like, it was first mentioned 
The Red Constellation was first mentioned there, I think. Really? I don't know. Man, I must have missed it. That's cool, though. That I like that there's all those tie-ins that they, like, set up stuff from early on. Mm-hmm. And um, um, wasn't Annalise's door was... There were two of them, right? Uh, I think there was just one. Oh. But it was... Uh-huh. Um, that's the one where you find out that her grandpa is uh, Reen Schwarzer's teacher. Uh-huh. And... I hope that we get to meet him at some point. And I also hope that that means Annalise comes back at some point mm-hmm. because I think that would be cool to meet, um, master. Is it Kaifa or Kafai? You, Kaifa, <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's a tongue twister. I know. I could never remember which one it was, even though like you read it right on the screen. Yeah. Um, but I also, door was it when, Annalise and Richard fight. Um, that gave you, like, whose sword was that? It's Cassius. Oh, okay. It was Cassius's old sword, which I think is awesome because mm-hmm. just like, I mean, it'd be, it'd be cool if he gave one of his old staffs to uh, Estelle. Estelle. But no, yeah. instead, you Annalise gets his old sword. Cuteness is justice. Cuteness is justice. That's the thing, right? Yeah. Actually, my favorite quote might be. Uh, fortune favors the cute. Oh my god! <laughs> that's cute. No pun intended. That, yeah, that's cute. That might be my favorite one. Um, oh, by the way, I have to put this out. While we're still talking about Richard, um, I believe I told you this before, but Richard is one of my favorite voice actors in the game. Um, probably already recognize it, but he voices Robin in Smash and Fire Emblem. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. See, I I probably wouldn't notice that because I always played the female Robin. Oh, okay. And if I was fighting against Robin, I was mainly just getting my butt kicked. So, <laughs> so the next character pair that I have uh, is Chloe and Lecter, and I have a short audio clip that I'd like to put in. I think I'm going to put it in before we start talking. Uh, that is from Violet, who was actually the first person to follow my Trails Tumblr. So, shout out there. Uh, she was the first person to follow me, and actually, like, my only follower for a while, uh, which was interesting. <laughs> but, like, she liked almost all my posts, and I was like, alright, I'm just gonna start talking to this person about Trails and see what happens. So, she's a huge Chloe Lecter fan. If you've seen anything, anywhere, about Chloe Lecter shipping, probably she's involved. So, <laughs> I'll put that in here. <clears throat> oh, and as a side note, she's probably one of the reasons why I started the shipping Chloe and Lecter too. <laughs> she's very convincing. I can tell you that mm-hmm. much. Because at the beginning, like, there's obvious like tension between Chloe and Lecter, but mm-hmm. it, it, there can be tension between characters that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Mm-hmm. But she'll convince you. If you like, sit down and listen to it for a minute. She'll convince you. Okay, hi guys, this is Violet, aka Ultraviolet Heart from Tumblr, and Ultra Chloe Lecter Stan from Discord. In the previous Thrills games, we see Chloe is a bit reserved, etc, etc, but she's, al- she's also decisive, and she does stuff her own way, even if she is a princess. Even if politics might, might get in the way of what she's doing right now. But, before that, Moondorsi emphasizes on what she did be- before the whole game starts. And 
you can see that she's reserved maybe because of her upbringing also due to the fact that she needs to hide her own identity inside the classroom and she's also a bit i think alienated with what's going on especially that she she also has her own fears her own securities like who doesn't have that but in Mundor 3 you can see how much she grew up from being a very shy girl to someone who actually stopped a large army from attacking her kingdom before anything else let me just let me just comment a bit about Glector who's her senpai or upperclassman and I love this guy he's a bit like he's a bit like pro from CS2 but we but I think Josh and Tyler will focus on that late. Way, 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 way later. This guy is so shifty. He's also all over the place. But you can see that he, he, he also has this kind of foresight. In which maybe... I don't know. I cannot say if he really knows Chloe's a princess or not before the, do before the door ended actually. But Lecter is really sharp. He also helped Chloe grow up as well, like when they were chasing each other in the in the academy and also making the school more fun, I guess. It's rare that you see that kind of uh, relationship between just uh, an upperclassman and a lowerclassman in, in most franchises, really. And that's why my name is called Ultra Chloe, like there's Stan from Discord because I ship those two so much. We can only speculate what will happen with them in the future, but in, th in third, he also appears in another door. I think it was Mundur 8, where it was revealed that Lecter is more loyal to his home hometown than actually was portrayed in the first. Probably the most shiftiest guy of all the shiftiest guys I've ever seen in a game. And that's because you don't know what he's do you don't know what he's doing, you can't predict what he's doing, you can't predict him in the first place, you can't read his mind. Oh no Oh the many things going on with his mind. I don't know. He also has this loyalties with an empire that we can say is an enemy of Chloe's kingdom in a way. But I think Lecter has really soft spot for chloe he has his own duties while he was in liberal and yet he helped chloe in a way without actually knowing her identity or i think he might have an inkling but didn't care at all so in the clip that uh that was from violet there she makes a, a key point or a key a key thing that for chloe was that uh, meeting lecter and just interacting with lecter on campus kind of helped her open up to people a bit uh -huh. and I actually made the point to to her one time that I would like to think that Estelle would have done the same thing because Estelle saw Chloe for Chloe, not Chloe as the princess. Um, uh -huh. But Estelle met her after Lecter, and she wouldn't have been the same person at that point if she hadn't met Lecter first. Uh -huh. But I guess my question to you, do you trust Lecter? Because <laughs> I do not trust him at all either. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess it's just because, you know, Crow happened. So I generally do not trust anyone with the same personality. That's true. It's just, like, in the, in the door 
with uh, Olivier and Osborne. He tells Osborne that he might not be loyal to him for forever. Uh-huh. And, I mean, it seems like he's super loyal. He's an Ironblood, which we find out about later. But, or no, maybe they mention that he's an Ironblood in this yeah, game. it was mentioned on the third, I think, on Oliver's door. I don't think we knew what that so meant. He, yeah, he was the first Ironblood we ever met. Oh, okay. I guess it would make sense he was the first one we met. But man, I don't trust him. Like, mm-hmm. and in some ways, I would think that Chloe's too good for him. Mm-hmm. But I don't know his whole story, and we don't know his whole story. Yeah, at least. Like, it, it seems like he's been helpful at times, which we'll find out uh, when we get to Crossbell. Mostly on what I want to say is towards, well, save for our Al Nobiseki episode, because that's where that's where the things where I have so much to say about Lecter. Okay. It's interesting to see Chloe as a regular girl in school trying to fit in, you know? Okay. Yeah, just her growth. Like, she, yeah, she yeah. comes in, and she's timid, and she's nervous, and she's quiet, and she doesn't talk to very many people, and uh-huh. Lecter kind of sees through that and tries to get her to open up, and then Hans is the one guy, and I forget the girl's name, too. I can't remember her name, either. Um, did they fi- figure it out on their own that she's royalty, or...? I uh, don't think so. Because they know in... In, FC and SC, they know, but yeah. I don't think they found out on that door okay. at the time. Well, I don't know if I would say I'm a full-on Chloe Lecter shipper, but... I mean, you can definitely see I wouldn't be, something. I wouldn't be disappointed if that's how it ends up. Oh, but Lecter has to straighten up if she wants. If, oh, uh, yeah. Um, he, yeah. He needs to... Know. He's got to clean it up a bit. Uh, the next um, couple that I have is uh, Joshua and Estelle, everyone's favorite couple, or at least I hope... Everyone's favorite couple. <laughs> yeah, it's not like we're done talking about them. Yeah. Uh, I could probably never be done talking about Estelle. Oh, the door where they were kids is the most interesting one because we don't really see them as kids on FC. We just saw like five minutes of them. Right. And it's so weird to see Joshua in the way that he is pretty much the whole uh-huh. door. Because uh-huh. Estelle's the same. She's uh-huh. just happy-go-lucky doing her thing. Catching bugs. Catching right. Fishes. Just trying to catch bugs to impress him. <laughs> and he's just, like, sitting over there, moody and emo. Um, do you remember the line, the specific line, where Joshua um, tells his tale when they were kids? Or thinks out loud? Something about the girl that shines like the sun or something. Does he say that when he's a kid? I think so. I think I'm picturing it. It's like under... I'm picturing it. It's like he's sitting under the tree. Oh, here it is. You amaze me more than any bug ever will. Okay, let me... How cute. (laughs) (laughs) That's an enormous bug, by the way. I would not be amazed by it. I'd be horrified. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean... It's pretty charming. You amaze me more than any bug ever... Okay, that was the actual line itself. (laughs) <laughs> okay. So I guess I was thinking of the door. Uh, you know when you open a door, it's like a riddle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have to bring the girl that shines like the sun. Yeah. Yep. Well, I thought it was interesting that, um, like, Joshua is surprised by her from the start. Like, she's just this peppy, 
fun, uh, excited kid. And he's like, what is wrong with you? Why, how are you like this? And she's just like, what do you mean? How am I like, I'm just, I'm finding bugs so that you can like cheer up. And he just doesn't understand. It's such a foreign concept to him. How old were they supposed to be in that though? Because like for kids around that age, I think it's pretty normal for kids to find bugs and catch fishes. Yeah. I think they're supposed to be like 10 or 11. Yeah. That's just, it's just normal. But of course, Joshua was the black fang and an enforcer and had his childhood not normal right he had like this ruined childhood had no no normal upbringing that's what i meant (laughs) and it's just uh like from the beginning estelle really shows him all the all the good that like life can offer Uh and that's like going back to the the credits from fc it's like my favorite segment um, where you see him, if you like watch the beginning, the PSP version, because if you watch the, well, I guess it's the same in Steam, but if you watch the Evo version, it's different. Um, that has like the snapshots of when he shows up and he's injured and he's kind of like distant and like as an outsider throughout all the different pictures until suddenly you start to see him feel like he's part of the family and yeah. he like smiles some and stuff and I just I really like Joshua I like his 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 arc there mm-hmm. I mean Joshua smiling is one of the most precious things I've seen in this guy <laughs> that's true do you want to talk about Joshua and Chloe's store yeah actually uh, this would be a good part to put uh, a short clip from Violet in here about that okay so on another door which is about Chloe and moving on from her love with Joshua it's actually made me sad because I actually ship her with Lecter and Mundorki and then disappears like what why is this happening I thought I thought you let you and Lecter would be ending up with each other but no it's, it didn't happen oh well but that's just me anyways um, I think in in that in that Chloe and Joshua door, she actually has the guts to move on from Joshua, and, and, and it's because of her senpai, which is Lecter. That's because Lecter in Mundurthy, you could actually show how she how she grew up from from being this this person who holds back into someone who doesn't. Well, trying to catch a student president from all throughout his own shenanigans will do that to you in the first place. But, um, I think it's a deliberate move on Lecter's part. I don't know why yet. Well, there are clues on that, but I think he saw in, in Chloe a kindred spirit, I guess. Maybe... We can only speculate on what's happening right there, but that's the only thing I could think of. And due to due to his quote and unquote conditioning, if I if I if I may put it so, <laughs> Chloe actually grew up from her own, grew out from her own shell into this someone who helps Estelle and Joshua all throughout their their journey in in FC and SE. And with that in mind, I think the experience will help her somehow own herself and also her own feelings, 
which we which results in that door where even if she knows that Joshua will never reciprocate her feelings, she owns it. And that's what I call good writing. Like this is a this is a character in which they could make her and tries to get Joshua from Estelle as if that as if that will happen. But instead she became this person that even if she was rejected she'll just face it head on and i think that's what trails in the sky is about even though everything is going against you you just have to face everything head on yeah i i, I agree that it's a good thing that they didn't make chloe out to be like a man-stealing character because that would like not only not fit her character but i think it would like it would be hard for Estelle to have that as, like, a best friend. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they already did that for Josette. I mean, that's basically her in- half of her character, at least. <laughs> Except that, uh, well, I guess it would have been the same because she wouldn't have succeeded. <laughs> yeah. I can't see Chloe that upset about it, but man, that's, like, you're right, that's half of Josette's character, just being mad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I mean... It's not like those, like, tropey, man-stealing characters. I mean, Josette basically gives up. <laughs> right, yeah, she she understands that's the situation, and she's just, like, kind of fights to get any time she can with Joshua. Mm-hmm. You can actually see it in, um, in the, the Evo artwork that you get in SC. Um, oh. When... They're, sta- they're sitting out on the, the bobcat and Joshua's like thinking over his plan for getting on the glorious and Josette's like trying to get him to just not go through with it and uh-huh. he just has these like distant eyes and she's like really pleading with him to like not go through with it because she, she doesn't want him to leave uh-huh. now talking about Ren um, kind of brings a bit of weight to it because uh of what happens to the character. So we're just gonna put a little warning here because uh, if you've played the game, you would know probably, but there's uh, some sexual assault that happens to Ren. Uh, so if that's uh-huh. if that's like and troublesome, then... You should probably skip this out first. But uh, that, what happens to Ren is really like Heavy, heavy to a level that we haven't seen so far in Trails. Yeah. Like even I mean, was it implied on SC before? Yeah, I definitely got the... I knew exactly what had happened at some point when she tells her fairy tale on top of the uh, one of the towers. Uh-huh. Uh, because she says that she was made to do unpleasant things and was hurt over and over by adults. Uh-huh. Like, that's yeah, I probably missed that. That's vague, but that's very specific. Like, that definitely tells you exactly what you need to know. Uh-huh. But even like, I guess one of the harsher things that's happened so far is uh, to Agate and his sister. I think because uh-huh. like she runs back into the house and then it gets bombed and. Like, he talks about everything was burned, like, really badly. Um, That's probably... Because, like, Estelle 
only kind of has vague memories of when her mom died. But like, this is like a lot of trauma and like a lot of, I mean, she developed a whole like psychosis because of it. Uh But I actually think that the writers did a really good job of telling you what you need to know, but not giving fuel, not, not giving fuel for the people that would like get off on that sort of thing. Uh Because like, I haven't personally been a victim of something like this, but I have friends that have been and Uh it can like, it can sneak up on them and, and just like, that's, that's why we mentioned before the segment that we were going to talk about it. Uh, but can you think of something that's like more heartbreaking in games that you've played? Well, it's not so much on the degree of what happened to Ren, but I'm kind of going fast forward over this, but it's the same thing that I kind of felt when Tio on Zero told her story. Oh, yes. Experiment, experimenting on kids is, you know. Yeah. It's if you want to make someone out to be the evil bad guy. I'm not sure, but um, when you opened Ren's door, there were other kids there, right? Were they actual real kids or just like an illusion that Ren created? I'm not sure about that. So the other kids are that you meet in Star Door 15 are all part of Ren's mind. Oh. Um, that was, it's like something that happens, you create these, it's like it doesn't happen to you. It happens to these other people. Um, and that's how she dealt with it. And uh-huh. I don't know, I think that there were other kids at Paradise, and you find that out in Zero no Kiseki, I think. Um, I don't think that she was the only person there, but the other kids that you meet, the reason that they slowly go away is because, like, in her mind, they're going away. Wasn't that paradise it's called, right? Wasn't that facility invaded by Ouroboros? Yeah. um, Did they say what the reason was for invading it? I don't know if they mentioned it in the third, and I can't remember if they mentioned it in Zero. Um... It seems like a weird thing for Ouroboros to, like, go in and... Because, in a way, it's like Ouroboros is the good guys in that situation, right? Uh-huh. Um, so I'm not sure if that was... If they were knocking off... Because Paradise was part of the... It had to do with the DG cult, right? Uh-huh. I so, think so. So I think maybe they were trying to knock off the DG cult. Maybe. We'll have to... uh We'll have to brush up on uh, Lady Virgilia's re- review video or summary video. Yeah, but I mean, if my memory serves correct, then um, the DG cult is basically kind of like an opposite of Ouroboros because I feel like Ouroboros has something to do with the church, at least, or something about the idios. Well, all of the all the members that we know of seem to be pretty pious, at least to the point where they're they're referencing. Uh, Adios or the goddess quite a bit. Uh-huh. The I think that just Ren, the whole door about Ren, it makes her, you know, I, I said before in SC, she starts out and she's just like kind of a brat. Like I really didn't like her. 
Uh-huh. Um, and then you kind of understand what made her into that type of person. Like, it makes her a really sympathetic, tragic character. And uh-huh. it doesn't necessarily, like, excuse the fact that she's so, like, obsessed with hurting other people. But you uh-huh. can at least understand how it would have happened. Uh-huh. Oh, and there's also, like, a scene on that door, right, where um, Ren meets or sees her parents. Yeah. That's actually, that- like... The, the more heartbreaking thing because she thinks that yeah. they like abandoned her yeah and they're and her parents think she's dead right and I want there to be like a reunion at some point oh trust me I really wanted to see them reunite in zero oh man and she was like hiding in the closet too it's like she's right there yeah yeah that was hard to watch actually because she she finds out the truth because she's, like, hiding in the closet and mm-hmm. she still, like, doesn't come out despite the fact that she she now knows that what she, the impression she was under was wrong. Mm-hmm. And they actually, like, do care about her and, like, completely destroyed them that they lost her. Yeah. Well, the, the last thing that I have to say about Ren specifically is, uh, I don't know what your opinions of Chick-fil-A are. Um. I don't eat it because they don't they don't exist here. <laughs> okay, well that's that's good. That's that's fine. Well, I'm not a huge fan of Chick Fil A, but we got one in town not that long ago for the first time, and it was super busy, so I didn't go. Everyone always talked about it being so good. I personally think it's overrated, but uh, I don't like going there because why, why not? When you order your stuff and they give it to you, and you're like, oh, thanks. They say, it's my pleasure. Oh. And it just makes me flash back to Stardor 15, and I hate it. <laughs> yeah. That, that was... There's something about those... The lines on how it was delivered in the context that, that, that seems so... So disgusting. I know. It's, it's awful. And I don't think I'm ever going to be able to hear someone say that. <laughs> and not just have, like, horror flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll still talk about... We're still talking about Ren a bit, but we're going to add Estelle to the mix now. Big sister Estelle. Actually, I think I touched it upon before on our IC episode on how Estelle suddenly became so... Um, oh, what's the word? Attached? Drawn? Or yeah. gravitated towards mm-hmm. Ren? Right, but I suppose it's just because of her personality that makes her be that way. But, um, yeah, I think they left, I mean, Estelle and Joshua left to find Ren, right? Or no? After SC? Yeah, after SC. Um, they do mention that uh, after they go to uh, Hamel, they do mention that they're going to be looking for, for Ren. Uh-huh. But it's not the same as at the end after this game, of course. Like they're specifically chasing her. Uh-huh. But yeah, it was. I remember you saying that in the SC episode too. It was kind of weird that she became so attached to Ren at first. Um, uh-huh. It's just supposed to be like Estelle gets along with kids and and all that. I can see it happening more when she understands more what happened to her. Uh-huh. But at first, it was definitely like 
this is the kid that you're supposed to like. Was there any interaction between Estelle and Ren during the third, or like when they were in Phantasma? Uh, I mean, they're sure they're supposed to be. I'm sure of it, but I'm not. I'm not remembering it. Yeah, well, when she shows up first, mm-hmm. when Ren first shows up, um, she thinks it's a dream, and like Estelle goes and hugs her, and she thinks it's a dream, so she's okay with it mm-hmm. until she realizes that it's not a dream, and she has to pretend that she doesn't like Estelle. Uh-huh. Um, so you can just you can just see it that um, Ren is craving for like. Um, what's the word? Paternal? No, maternal or whatever. What's a, what's a, what's the term for a, like a big sister? Something to like protect or guide her. I think fraternal. I think that's it. Well, just like big sister. We'll go with that. She's looking yeah. for like a big sister figure. Which I mean, she really she's looking for someone at all, but she's too uh-huh. afraid to admit it. Really. And, like, what do you think about the speech that Estelle gives at the end? Because that's when she really, like, she really understands that actually, like, everything that Estelle and Joshua want to be for her. Oh, you mean at the end where they were finally leaving the place, right? Right. That was like, um, we're going to keep chasing you until you warm up to us. Something like that, right? Right. And that was, like... That really had me, like, this, when I replayed it the second time, I actually had some, some tears in my eyes because she, uh-huh. Estelle really has some uh, profound things that she says because you might not realize it, uh, that you're splitting up from someone at some point, uh, that you might not see them again. You know, it's like uh-huh. one of those weird things. You just kind of accept it with life. Like, all right, I'll see you later. And maybe you won't see them again at some point. And uh-huh. that's something that like Ren just can't understand. Uh-huh. She just can't process that because she doesn't want to accept, or she doesn't want to let herself be put in a position where she can be hurt again, uh-huh. which is part of why she always just hurts other people. I think it was kind of not really frustrated, but um more like disappointed that their story arc doesn't end on the Sky Games yet. <laughs> yeah, it, when you're first when I first played it, I was disappointed that I didn't get to see the resolution. Uh-huh. But I actually like struggled a little bit playing Zero the first time because Are there I, any new characters? There were a ton of new characters and I just wanted to see the resolution to like Estelle and Ren. Now that we're done talking with some of the, about some of the characters, uh, what were some of your favorite moments from the game as a whole? Oh, um, I think one of my favorite moments was opening Chloe, Chloe's door, <laughs> the school door. Um, it kind of reminded me of Cold Steel one in a sense that it's Chloe being, a student council errand girl. Right. Um, but yeah, I also really liked the, um, there was a mini game door where you, it was a trivia show, basically. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. Enjoyed that. Yeah, it's like Campanella hosts Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Yeah. Although I can definitely say that the fishing door was not my favorite at all. <laughs> yeah, I never beat it. And I swear that it cheats. Uh Like I would be in the lead and then 
the opponent would catch something just big enough to beat, like, my total score. Yeah. And, like, I call shenanigans. That's <laughs> that's garbage. Rigged. I do like the music, though. Yeah. The music's cute. And I also like how all of the the game door, the sun doors, um, have, like, the special, uh, like, title screens. Mm-hmm. Like, the one for the arena has, like, like super buff Kevin, like, busting out. That is so amazing. I really like that. I thought it was fan art at first, but when I saw it on the third itself, I'm like, wow, it's real. Yeah. It's official art. So, did you have other moments that were your favorites? Well, I already talked about the other ones, like the favorite boss fights. Mm-hmm, right. So, yeah, I think I'm good. I mean, this whole game is basically one big homage to the Sky series. Mm-hmm. Um, so. My two, but my two favorite moments were Estelle's speech with Ren at the end, um, and then when Kevin and Reese have to kill Rufina. Oh, at the end. Yeah, at the end. Um, uh-huh. It's not like a an awesome moment, obviously, but it was just like one of those things where Kevin finally got to the point where he was like trusting someone and letting someone stand with him, and not just like him doing something on his having to do something all on his own. Uh-huh. So do you have any, uh, like, takeaways or messages or meanings from the game? Well, I guess I sort of relate to Kevin a little bit where I want to be the, uh, not to be suddenly hashtag deep here, but um, I can relate to Kevin a little bit about wanting to be on your own, I guess, or doing things on your own. Okay. Not letting people, like, I guess, contribute. Or, like, do stuff with you. But, I mean, I think I went... Well, not as extreme as Kevin is, but I went through that during my college days. And that was not a long time ago, by the way. But, yeah. It was kind of interesting to relate to a character that, you know, has gone through kind of, like, the same as you do. I think that's part of the reason why I like Kevin even more... I mean, I already like Kevin during SC. Well, sure. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a great thing because um, I think that's part of the reason a lot of people like Kevin so much because they can relate to him. Uh-huh. Uh, I just happen to not be able to relate to him as well, and that's fine. Uh, that's why Estelle's there. But um, I think I definitely agree with you, and I like that because some, oh. of the, some of the stuff that I would say were maybe takeaways were – actually both in relation to Kevin and that was the no man is an island and uh like oh you gotta face your guilt and overcome it uh-huh. oh I, I have I have forgotten about this already but one of my favorite moments in the game was when um Kevin at, towards the end of the game was when Kevin was trying to rethink his title as a dominion that was cute that was a cute <laughs> moment yeah he like comes up with a couple of really bad ones <laughs> yeah so the last last part of our uh, episode, I think, is going to be ranking the game. So right now, you and I both have the same rankings uh, with uh, SC as number one and FC as number two, because we've only done two so far. But where do you put the third? I'll put the third on second place. Okay. Well, not to be boring, but I have to say the same thing. <laughs> well, maybe when we get to the next game, we'll have different opinions. 
Yeah, I mean, it's still a little bit tough for me to think of FC and SC as different games because they, they fit in so well. Uh-huh. Um, but they are different games, so I have to rank them differently. Oh my gosh, yay, we finished an arc. Yeah, I can't believe it. Man, when we started this out, it was just like, hey, do you want to like talk about Trails and record it and pretend it's a podcast? And you were like, <laughs> sure, let's do it. And now it's an actual podcast that people listen to. So tell the people how they can get uh, get a hold of you. Oh, and you can follow me on Tumblr at <laughs> Crow Armbrusts with an S at the end, Tumblr.com. And I guess you can also find me on Twitter. It's at Hey Joshua with two underscores at the end. And yeah, you can see me tweet about dogs and stuff. <laughs> Nice. Well, you can follow me at Trails in the Sky on Tumblr, and there's a couple of dashes in there, but I'm sure you'll find it. There's not there's not very many Trails blogs. Um, and you can find me on Twitter if you want at Blue Moon Cinco, but I don't really do much except lurk on Twitter, so there you go. Mm-hmm. Oh, and well, you can also add me on Switch, I guess, so we can play Smash, Mario Kart, Crash and Racing. It's the same as my Twitter handle. So, yeah. yeah. I wish that, I wish I could add people on Mario Kart 64. Oh my god, yeah. And I wish it was it has online too, you know. Oh man, that would be crazy. Well, thanks for tuning in everyone and uh we'll see what happens in the future cuz we're not going to jump straight into the Crossbell arc. We're going to have a couple other things, a couple other ideas that we're going to try out soon. Yeah, and we also have to go through the police academy first before we get to the CSPD. Oh shoot. <laughs> 